Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm back. Yeah, the people didn't know you were gone. That's right. Staggering recording. But I'm back. Back again. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I'm still here. (laughs) We never let Jed leave the studio, but he doesn't know there's an outside world anymore. It's a real... (laughs) Aristotle's cave thing, and he's fine with it. That's right. So joining us all the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Sometimes I leave the show, and no one cares. They just keep making it. Wow. Wow. That's rough. That's... What's... But anyway, so I, uh, <laughs> I think uh, also, and nobody mentioned this, it's well, my only birthday. Well, it isn't literally wow. your birthday today. That was several days ago. Yeah. Well, we celebrated it today. It, it, today's Glenn's birthday, parenthesis, observed. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as always on staff birthday, I rate all the gifts. That is true. This, you think this, we're joking. We're not. This particular version of, well, should we get your gifts or should we do dessert was greeted with Glenn saying, are they good gifts? Yeah. That's where it started. <laughs> well, we, 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 there was a point where one staff member who will remain nameless gave me beef. Yes. That was yes. vacuum sealed. Yes. Vacuum not jerky, not jerky, not in any way altered. Just, just sticks beef. of beef. Beef in, in a vacuum sealed container. Yes. Another staff member who shall remain nameless Gave me a shark jerky. Yep. It's jerky made out of shark meat. Wow. And I explained to the whole table, this is a better gift because a shark would eat a cow. Sure. So that makes it inherently superior. And so what I do is I pit them against each other. Yes. And everyone argues. Is that like if the shark eats the cow and then metabolizes that meat and then you... Jerky, that shark, that is that like a meta double jerky, two yeah, animal jerky? Exactly right. Now that that really would be a good birthday gift. That would take it all the way. Yeah, that's. I mean, it didn't happen. So sure, if you, you know, if you could have some kind of history of everything the animal that had been jerkied had eaten. Yeah, that would. So be, you would know what you, you were know, curated. Uh, they rate thing. cows. You know, this is a grass-fed cow. That kind of thing. That's I think true. we should right. rate sharks. This is a cow-fed shark. Yeah, beef-fed shark. It's exactly right. That's yeah. how you know you got the good shark. Yeah, I when would, you talk. I'm sorry, Glenn. I didn't mean to cut yeah. you off, but I wonder when you're talking about pitting your staff members against each other yeah. for the gift giving. Yeah, is this like a gladiator style, yeah. like in the arena? Exactly. No, yeah. it, it's it's much more psychologically fraught than that. I'm sort of twiddling my fingers and I <laughs> dance puppets, dance for me. Yeah, it's more of a usual suspects. It's the, yeah. the insidious is it is. No one realizes it's happening until it's too late. Yeah, it's like a Kaiser Soze kind of thing. I'm glad so. we're going to talk about discipleship later in this episode, because really getting an inside picture of Glenn's <laughs> right. visions right. on that. No, I, uh, in terms of who won, they know who they are. Yeah. Yep. And the people oh, wow. who really didn't measure up need to think about it. Yeah. And wow. You know who you are, and try again next year and see what happens. Sure. You know, it's time to up the game. Like, one of my favorite things is... People give me a gift and it, it's packed with the, the you know with the tissue paper in there. Yeah. So I just yank out the tissue paper, tissue paper, and I say, "Oh, great tissue paper," and yeah, I act uh-huh. like that's the gift. Yeah. And that so it starts there. I just start the the psychological torture right away. So then, like the, the the camera would zoom in on the sweat beads going down yeah, the right. person's head. <laughs> exactly. Who's the gift giver? That's right. That's right. 
I, I lovingly prepared this gift and wrapped it in a, you know, uh, Pete gave me something that had like confetti. Like shredded. Uh, shredded paper. Paper on top of it. And it was all like done to look like a grass yeah, kind of thing. Nice. It was very beautiful. And I just played with that for like 15 minutes. Literally just, put it on his head like a small child. Yeah. And when uh, he was admonished to please stop doing this, stared his wife in the eye and dumped the rest of it out. <laughs> That's right. Exactly like, like a small child. Exactly like your toddler would, which he called himself out on. It's not that Glenn doesn't realize he's maybe he doesn't. He goes, Glenn just stops and he goes, "That's exactly what a three year old would have done, doesn't it?" That's Trevor, right. stop playing with that. <laughs> Stare and pour. Yeah. Well, it's my birthday. I can do whatever I want. Sure. So that's yes. what happens. No one yeah. says it has to be the birthday you're on now. You can have your fourth birthday party today. That's yeah. right. That's yes. right. That's 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 a good tip for well, living your life right there. Again, we are we are going to touch on a discipleship later in the show in one of our questions. And I think it's – we often talk about the things that the church could maybe learn from missionaries. Sure, so yes. Like Glenn, and I, I think this is a good one. I don't think there's enough senior pastors just pitting their people against each other. Certainly not. Well – that may actually be one of the few uh, things that the church has up on missionaries <laughs> in a way, but it's not as clever sure. as the main thing. Um, but one of the other things we, we really feel that we can offer service on is, uh, is something about which I must declare an emergency. Really? It's wow. an emergency? It's an emergency of so. marketing proportions. So uh, it's, it's that season of the year, and uh, it's clever church sign season. Mm. That pretty much normally does kick off in the summer. So we've, we've had a, a couple sent to us. Recently, Miss um, Guinevere from Malaysia has sent us in one, uh, which is the you know, whatever Baptist Church, here's the Times, and then the, and the big block is Women's Conference. Why would Boaz want Yoaz? Spelled wow. Y O A Z. Uh-huh. Um, that's meant to be sounding urban. I will absolutely eat your hat if this is not in the suburbs. Yeah. <laughs> we also had uh, come in from the uh, prestigious Beaverdale Baptist Church. Uh, from our uh, Be- Indian- hold, hold up, Beaverdale. Yep. So, and let me just try and absorb this. They looked around and said, "Well, we got a lot of beavers." Yep. It's on a river. Beaver Town. No. Beaverdale. Beaverdale. Yeah. That's well, our. That's the winner. Yes. We're going to Beaverdale. If you want to go to where you got a lot of beavers, Beaverdale. Yeah. Yep. That's a town motto. I'm sure, yeah, pretty sure. Again, it's all about branding. Yeah. It does sound like the made-up uh, town next to the town SpongeBob lives in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In some episode. But they, they, they ask the very uh, pertinent and somewhat philosophical question, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Wow. Uh-huh. You can really feel the guilt. It's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I, uh, I, and I actually need some advice on this one. I personally came across this one um, Earlier in the week, at a down here in the place where we live, um, and I can't tell if this is an attempt at a clever church sign or if it's just they lost a letter. Lay it on us. So um, I'm walking by, and it's you know, one of the things. Just you know, here's here's the Sunday schedule. It's 11 a.m. is worship, and then 12:15 we have Sunday school, and then at 1 p.m. they have uh, what says fellow hip lunch. Oh, I love fellow hip lunches. Here's the thing: is fellow I can, hip. I can't tell. Did they lose the s? A right. fellowship lunch. We just right, haven't fixed right. it yet. Or was this the best idea they could come up with to get the millennials in the church? Yeah. It's, it, well, it's a, it's a group of, of fellows. Yes. Yep. But hip and, fellows. But they're hip. Yes. Yes. Wow. A lot of skinny lunch. jeans. Don't you want to be a hip fellow and come to this church? Yeah. A lot of wool beanies in the middle of summer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, interesting scarves. Interesting scarves. A lot of waxed mustaches. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Bowler hats. Bowler hats. The issue, it is a potluck dinner, but it's all potluck dishes that you would have had in the 20s. Right. So, you know. So a lot of ragtime yes. jazz playing in the background. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Yes. Ironic sea shanties. Oh, you got to have your ironic sea shanty. Well. But for the Lord. Glenn. Oh, well, that's yeah. what you want to do? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. But... We, and we've talked about such things before, and we've had people send us uh, particularly egregious examples, some of which we cannot share on air, ah. for they are, uh, as, as the uh, French would call, a thing with two meanings. <laughs> okay. um, but we, we, here's the thing. We, we've, we've railed. We've, we've raved. It's clear that these aren't going away. Yeah. Right. So as often we do, can we just... We, we think these things are bad. We think right. this is not a way to... No one's ever gone into a church because it's a clever church sign. And right. No one wants to come to your fellow hit meal. Just, you know... Be good at church and love people and reach out to people. Right. But it's clear no one's going to do that. Right. So I propose we totally abandon our principles on that and just go in for the sweet, sweet cash. Sounds good. And let's, okay. uh, I'm talking about church sign consulting. Ooh. Wow. That's a racket we can get in on. Right? Yeah. No doubt. So we, we've got a couple of genres. There's, there's trying to be just clever. Right. There's punnery with yes. the Yoaz. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just angling for the guilt. Yeah. 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 Because I'm pretty sure the implied threat in that uh, other one is if you don't pray enough, Jesus will wreck your car. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about this, this? I'm just getting warmed up. Here. Sure, go for it. Go start somewhere. Don't judge me off the first one. Sure, please. I, has this one been Blue used? Blue sky thinking. Uh, I don't know if, you've, if this one may have been used before. Jesus is the reason for the season. That's good. That's good. You know? you're, you're, you're talking about just maybe it's it's a Christmas thing, right? But why don't right. we expand our minds? Yeah, you're enjoying every Christmas. Season. Stop it. Yeah, because there isn't Jesus in it. Yeah, and you're yeah. saying we could do that to other things. It's summer, <laughs> yeah. and you like that it's warm and sunny. You're out of school. Well, you're enjoying summer for the wrong reasons. Yes, right. Jesus doesn't want you having unauthorized summer fun. Right. Yes. Right. I think that really gets to the heart of what we're looking at here. Stop yeah. having fun and come in here and hear about how fun is bad. That's right. Yes. That I like that. Easter is the reason for spring break. Yes. Something. That's you know. good. I like Something. that. You know who didn't yeah. get a spring break? Jesus. That's yeah. right. See, that's now wow. you're getting it. just you're the full it. Jesus juke right there. Yeah. yeah. That's good. That's, that's, that's good. an important subgenre. Yeah, uh, that mirrors an actual conversation I had with a uh, someone who we I was in uh, either late high school or early college, and we were doing a thing in the summer where we meet in the mornings and do like a little breakfast, a little prayer group thing. And uh, uh, the guy who's leading this was having a hard time motivating the young men to get up at eight a.m. in the summer to do the thing, and said, "Oh, well, you know, so and so and so and so didn't come. They said they were tired." Said, you know who was tired? Jesus on wow. the cross. Wow. wow! You tell him that. Wow. I'm pretty sure he was joking, but I think some of, and I think we know this. Some of the best ones are that you can't tell. Sure. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Well, you guys know the the popular kind of augmented reality. Sure. Yeah. Video the app, uh, the Pokemon Go. You guys yeah. have heard of this, I suppose. So uh, you could have kind of a sign that says, you know, let Pokemon go and find Jesus. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. That's timely. That's good. I like that. Here's what I'm wondering. Okay. Now you you. Came up with several, you know, genres of, of manipulative yep. sign. Here's what I'm thinking: Can we be truthful? Probably but, not. But but make it good. Now here's almost certainly not both of those. Here, here's what I'm saying: If you just had a church sign, no, not when the service is, not what clever whatever, just waffles inside. Sure. Yes. Right? Yes. I mean, you have to have the waffles or it breaks down. You get a lot of hostile... Yeah, right. False advertising yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. claims against you, what the you, better business you bureau. You cut somebody's waffle supply off. They're going to be 
testy. You yeah. know what I mean? But if you just say waffles inside, you've, you're a step above everybody else because you're going to your church on Sunday thinking, no, hey, waffles. no waffles. Where's the waffles? Wow. Yeah. These guys got waffles over here. You know, it's like, what do you call a strategic breakfast food uh, arms race? Yes. Everybody so, loves breakfast food. Yeah. Here, here's what I love about this is this is, well, now we're getting into some good marketing strategy. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Jed and I have actually had a number of sit downs with some very uh, high level marketing people, smart people, know what they're doing. Um, and they have said, which I didn't know this because I didn't study advertising or anything, that the, the concept behind kind of corporate marketing is not to make you want to go buy this thing. Right. It is so that when you decide you want to buy this type of product, you have thought of this one. So it's, it's not the that one you've you, heard of. Yeah. You don't see an, an ad for dish detergent on TV and think, wow, wow I got to go right now. Tide, it's scrubbing bubbles now. I got to get it in there. Yep. The idea is you, you will have to buy detergent at some point. You will be at a big aisle in the supermarket. And you think, I have heard of this one. Right. I will buy that. So I, I love this idea of, because we said, no one's ever decided, you know, I never thought about God until I heard the Boaz pun. Mm, and then I right. thought maybe I should get right with the maker of all things. I'll yes. come on in here. But, and this is the, the church strategy now, the mega church strategy specifically is uh, what uh, Glenn would, talk, would call sheep stealing. Right. Which is there's X number yeah. of people who want, are going to go to church on Sunday no matter what. Yeah. Instead of getting new people to come to church, forget that. That sounds right. hard and dumb. We'll just focus on getting the ones who want to come to church to come to our church. Right, that's right. Sure. And that's how you make uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, apparently. Yeah. But I like this. If people are going to come to church, yeah. how do we make sure, don't come to your dumb church, right. come to this one. Right. I like waffles. Yeah. yeah. Let me throw this out there. Uh, service in under 50 minutes, or we give your tithe back. Oh, yeah. Wow. That, a money-back guarantee. Yeah, not about quality, because that right. varies, but right. start your watch on yeah. the first song, Yeah, and if we're not out of here in 50 minutes, we give all the money back. Yeah, that's good. So let's say, you know, uh, one of the things that the churches are trying to do, especially in the sheep-stealing businesses, you want to have the most exciting name as possible. Sure, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like some, it's always like, the the words or sounds or verbs of like a rocket taking off into the space, you know, the mm. elevation or the explosion sure. church kind of deal. So instead of that, we just go straight at what Glenn's talking about and what Matt's talking about, and we just call the church Waffle Hour Church. Well, yeah, sure, that's a win. Waffle Dude, I Hour would Church. Go to Waffle Hour Church. No, doubt. I would go to Waffle just to it's see. It's over what's an up. hour, and you're going to get a waffle. Whoa, yeah. Now th- th- we've had ourselves a breakthrough. Yeah. Let me yeah. tell you what, and, and tell me if I've gone too far, biscuits and gravy. Yeah. Sure. you got to have biscuits you know I mean? and gravy Sunday. Yeah. Biscuits and gravy and bacon on the side. Boom. You know, it's worth pointing out, uh, for serious, we have one of our best pastors at the bridge. His church does a hot breakfast right. every Sunday morning before yep. church. And, um, you know, he's talking about we got bacon, we got eggs, we got, we got waffles. You got, we want everybody here. Y'all come down. We, we want to have you. Oh, he had takers. He had takers. This is yeah. the thing. People looked at that and said, well, you know, I'm not sure about church, but I do love breakfast. I think right. I may have to go. This is a proven strategy. Yeah, and it turns yeah, out, what, what we're, once what you we're get them in the about, building. That's, we're talking about weaponizing breakfast food against yes. the kingdom of Satan. That's, that's, uh, right. that's a battle I can get behind. Yes. You know? No doubt. Well, we, we pitched in, in previous weeks the idea of church filet. Right. And I think this is the natural outgrowth of that. Yeah. I think, yeah. and you know, you tell me if I'm going too far, but we've also pitched the idea of before of um, people, don't, people, particularly church people, don't really know how to be pleasant right. and give compliments. So we've pitched the, the Jed Brewer three-step method to doing something nice, which is say something nice, give something 
give someone something of value, no matter how small, monetary, fiscal value, and then leave. For example, I like your shirt. Here's a dollar. Goodbye. Yep. That works. I want to get to know that guy. That's a pleasant yep. interaction right Nice there. haircut. Here's a caramel. Bye. <laughs> That's, you, you are not a jerk. Yep. For that one You're day. officially not a jerk. Yeah. But here's what I'm pitching. And because, again, there's various levels of engagement, right? Right. Some people are even a, even a 50-minute church sermon. They, they don't think enough about church to want to sit through that. So that's okay. I'm pitching drive-through church. Okay. Okay. We have, and much like the, the Chick-fil-A, we have the church filet. You can right. come in. You can sit down. You can right. enjoy your meal and chat. Or you got things to do. Right. You drive through. Here's a waffle. Jesus loves you. See you next week. <laughs> wow. Wow. You write like a little that. thing. Here, right. Here's the the title. Here's here's a a business card with a Bible verse on it, and not one of the jerky ones. Yeah, right. not one of the why do you not obey my commandments? Yeah, which is right. all, written on the outside of a certain denomination's church building here in the uh, Greater Oak wow. Park, Illinois. Why do you <laughs> claim to be my followers and not do what I command you? It's a little strong. Yeah. to put on the church sign. Yeah. We also may note started. the vast majority of people reading the sign don't claim to be his followers. So <laughs> right. uh, it's uh, it's a bit weird, but just. What? Yeah, <laughs> just all right. Your your, your order's up. Right. Johnson family pulling around. Right. Here's eight waffles. Uh, here's a bunch of cards with John three sixteen written on them. Just hope to see y'all next week. Right. Maybe next time you'll come in. Yeah. That's, that's I. You know what? That's outreach. Is what that is. That's that is, and I'm saying this is a perfectly serious thing. That is a long ways from the worst idea I've ever heard of oh, no what, what's happening in church. The odds of someone getting physically assaulted for doing this one is way low, oh, this which is, puts it miles above a lot of the ideas this, we've heard. This idea would probably, as a serious thing, be in like the 75th percentile. <laughs> that's, that's a real deal. Well, well to, to, to bring it to earth of why this will never happen, this is an actual uh, interaction I had with a pastor. This is a long time ago now, but uh, a very, in his denomination, a very well-respected, very accomplished guy. They were doing a, a church plant in the Chicago area. And uh, I explained to him, I said, well, you know, uh, a lot of people, when I grew up, you know, there's a lot of nighttime church. You know, there's not very much of that around here. Some people like me work nights. It's actually, you know, if you had like a 7 p.m. service, that would be you know, probably a lot more convenient. You know, a lot of people, you know, help him out. He goes, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Of course, the word of the gospel is not an easy word, and we don't want to make it too easy on people given that. Wow. So <laughs> really have to wow. think about that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the Bible doesn't say anything about putting an obstacle in people's path or... Well, it says to put more of them. Yeah, that, okay. that way they really have to work for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like, it's like running with leg weights. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. Resistance church. Exactly. <laughs> right now, someone is planning resistance church. Oh, well, and, and with Jed's with Jed's subtext title line of, uh, if you want to blast your spiritual quads. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. On, and on the uh, incredibly depressing, though incredibly accurate realization that somewhere right now, someone is planning or executing a church plant slash CrossFit box. Yes. I declare emergency off. That's where you literally take up your yep. cross. And <laughs> yep. That's good. High impact <laughs> interval church. Do your cross squats. That's good. That's good. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that again, we're moving on. We're moving on. We're moving on to Bridgebox. We're going to talk about Bridgebox, which is a thing that we haven't found a way to market through adorable slogans yet, but we're going to keep Give us time. We, uh, it, in many ways, Bridgebox is almost drive through church. Sure. We just send you an email with sermons and worship songs and Bible studies that you can get to at your leisure. There you go. It's very convenient. Quite. And very cost-effective. Make your own waffle. 
No doubt. It is the build your own ministry bar. Yes. The continental ministry. Yes. No doubt. Uh, very convenient and also uh, very affordable. Only $8 a month. You can head over to missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Find out what that's all about. Get some samples for yourself. Every week is built, or every month, pardon me, is built around a topic. We are still in the month of June where our topic is what does God think about sex? A lot of good stuff on that. Sermons from Glenn and myself, songs that uh, Jed has produced, Lee has written, lots of good stuff on that. Only $8 a month. That is the number one way that people who uh, like the blogs and like the podcast have uh, supported the ministry over the years. It's made a huge impact and continues to do so. We are super thankful for our Bridgebox subscribers. No better time to jump on than right now. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. All right, we're going to go to our first question here. It came into our email address. Hang out with us all the way to the end, and I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. This one says, I am now working in the church as a youth worker. One of the things I immediately found out when I joined this church is that there is a lack of leaders at the youth ministry. I already know that my church denomination does not really do discipleship training, and I intend to start it, but I don't know how. I've never been discipled before, and everything I know about ministry is basically based on trial and errors and years of observations and ripping off what you guys say on the podcast. I think I have enough super fan points to do that. I know that spending time with people is one of the things that must be done, but is there like a certain quote-unquote must-do list when I want to intentionally disciple someone? What do you say or what do you not say? Now, Glenn, when I, I uh, got back to the person who emailed us, just let him know that we're talking about this coming up on the show, which I always do, which I'll remind you, if you've written into our email or Tumblr address and have not gotten a response, that means we didn't get your question. So please resubmit yeah. that, specifically on Tumblr, which likes to eat messages yeah. yes. a fair amount. But one of the things I warned uh, this person about is they may want to get the comfortable earbuds going. Right. Because there's nothing in this world. Glenn Fitzgerald likes theorizing and talking about more than how to actually disciple people. Absolutely. So yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I, I do. I love, I love talking ministry strategy. Uh, and, uh, and I love talking to people who are at the beginning of their journey of figuring this stuff out. And we're honored and blessed that you'd uh, give us a chance to help you with that. Uh, and you mentioned stealing from us, and that actually would be my first word of advice is steal more. Yeah. Yep. Uh, find people that you can steal from and steal as much as you can. That's certainly what I've done. Um, the finest pastors that we know and we deal with, that's what they do. 99% of what you hear on this podcast, we have all heard somewhere else. I mean, yeah. somewhere far back in our, in our journey uh, that stuck with us, and we've been using that ever since and passing it along. Uh, probably 80% of what I teach my staff is stuff that I've learned from uh, missionaries that I knew uh, when I was coming up. So uh, the, the, be absolutely shameless about writing down something that you hear on this podcast. Take it to whoever you're ministering to and say it like it's yours. Because yep. like I said, it's based on scripture, which has already been written and it's all been uh, preached before. Uh, right. You've got our permission to do all that you could possibly want, but and when you're doing that, not to cut you off, yeah. you, it, I think, so. Sometimes maybe what stops people from doing that, I know, in preaching, is that idea of, well, but then am I really bringing anything to the table? Am I really doing this? Why don't I just give them the book or show them the thing? But right. you taking something you've heard that impacted you and applying it to someone you're talking to situation, yeah. that's real ministry, and that's maybe a yeah. majority of what ministry is. It's Absolutely. not coming up with brilliant stuff in the moment. Right. It's stuff you already know that you've been taught, and then applying that directly to the person you're sitting down across from, which only you can do. That's right. Uh, first of all, if I don't have something I can steal from, if it's a situation that's just totally alien to me, I'm going to the Lord 
He's giving me what to say, and I'm just repeating that. So it's the same difference. And whether mm. the wisdom comes from the Lord <laughs> yeah. or from somebody else, I'm just the vessel. I'm pouring yeah. out the message I've been given. Uh, so, uh, uh, so ultimately, you know, please feel free to steal all of that, use it, uh, and 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 you'll end up putting your own spin on it anyway. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you'll put in stuff that relates to this person's situation that you know that we don't anyway. So you'll make it your own, and and that's that's a great way to start. Um, and I'm going to deal with sort of the, the basic remedial stuff and let these guys deal uh, with some of the more in-depth stuff. Uh, map the road ahead. That's the main, main, main thing. We're talking about discipleship. Uh, the, 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 the wrong, you ask what not to say or, or, or where not to go. Don't assume that people think they're sinless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't have it in your mind that I need to tell them that they're sinning and explain that to them. They have to be convicted. Yeah, on. that is not it. If, 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 these, if someone's talking to you and they're saying, I'm a perfectly innocent and otherwise holy and good person, you're not going to get very far with that individual anyway. Uh, you need to start with someone who's saying, I have a struggle. I don't know if it's a sin or not. I don't know what God thinks of it or not. I think I'm basically a good person, but I sure do have my struggles. So can we talk about it? They know where they need to go. If I'm talking to somebody who's angry, they know they need to get into some forgiveness. If I'm talking to somebody who's got an alcohol problem, they know they need to quit smoke, quit drinking alcohol. So uh, people have a sense of vaguely where they need to go, but what they can't figure out is how do I get there? So you're, what you're doing is you're, you're literally trying to map from where they are to where they need to be. A lot of that has to do with understanding where they are. And yeah. if you don't understand that, you're, you're, you're dead in the water. That's why we talk about listening a lot, because you, yeah. you need to listen enough to where you get a sense of, okay, let me reflect back to you. Here's what I hear you saying about where you are. And here's where we both know you need to eventually get to. But the problem is, how do we get from here to there? What are the first steps on that road? What, what sort of obstacles do we have to overcome to get there? I think figuring that out in your mind as people are talking to you about stuff and helping them figure out how to navigate that distance, that's the key to good discipleship. Uh, One other little tidbit, and I'll send this around, be both authentic and assertive at the same time. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who are doing discipleship, they're really good at being authentic. They're really good at being human. They're good at talking about their struggles and all of that. But when they need to assert themselves in a discipleship situation and say, oh, honey, that's not it, don't do that, then they, they struggle with that. Mm-hmm. There are other people that are, that are assertive. They will get in there and do a, a, a loving confrontation of, oh, I, you know, probably let's not do that. But they're not as good at being authentic in talking about their own struggles yeah. and, talking about, and, and putting that into perspective. So having that sense of being gentle, loving, assertive, uh, uh, and listening, and being absolutely real and saying, hey, look, I've got the same kind of struggles. It's not exactly the same as what you're dealing with. The situation is maybe a little different, but I have similar type of struggles. I'm going to share with you some things I've learned from that, but I, I don't want to get into a position where I'm, I'm elevating myself above them. Absolutely. I think that's a really fantastic place to start off. And Jay, I'd love to go to you next and look at this idea, kind of build on what Glenn has said here of, um, as far as mapping that road ahead, I think one of the things that may help people who are 
just started with being on this side of the discipleship relationship, especially if they've never done it, is looking at what is this actually for? Yeah. As opposed to um, a lot of bigger church stuff, they're not doing discipleship. Um, and it can get confusing that to think that the job is motivation, mm-hmm. or as Glenn was saying, conviction. But that's not really discipleship. So what is the actual function we're looking to achieve here? That's a great question. Well, obviously from the word discipleship, the goal is to grow in the quality of the way in which you follow after Jesus. That's, that's what it means to, to, be a, to be a disciple is to be a follower, to follow in, in the path of, of Jesus and, and to get better at that. And loosely speaking, that's going to boil down to two things, uh, sin and less and doing more righteous stuff is roughly speaking what that's going to boil down to. Now, the truth, of course, is that actually it's about a, a deeper and more intimate relationship with the Lord. That's, that's actually the key thing. But the, the outgrowth of that will often be less bad stuff in the life and more good stuff. And that's what most people think of when they think of discipleship. So this is a process where I start doing less bad things and more good things. And, and that, in some senses, should be part of the outcome of a discipleship process. Yeah. That's what we would otherwise call sanctification. That is. that. It, well, actually, I'm glad you said that. In many ways, discipleship is a person helping you to grow in your sanctification, right. is, is really what that is. So let's look for a second, because it's what most people have in mind. It's not in any way the whole of discipleship, or, or even exactly the biggest piece of it. But let's talk about the doing less bad stuff for a section for a second, because that... Most church people, when they hear discipleship, that's actually what they have in their brain, is this is a process right. through which I will, I will do fewer bad things. Here's the thing I'd encourage you to look at on that, is to say, if you want to disciple someone, don't worry about the symptoms in their lives. So uh, cussing, for example, is a symptom. Uh, is it good? Well, no, but it's a, it's a symptom. If you're discipling someone, be on the lookout for root causes. Yes. Okay. That's the thing that you always, always, always want to be looking at. Amen. So, for example, somebody cusses a lot. Well, one of the primary things that's probably driving that is a lot of anger in their life. It could be other things, but, but probably anger. A good discipler wants to focus on the anger, right. not on the cussing. Right. right. Um, they want to get in there and say, tell me what you're angry about. With no judgment, no, you know, you shouldn't be angry because anger is ba- just, it seems like maybe you got some stuff that you're pissed about. I, I want right. to give you a safe place to talk about that. Um, the idea is that in due season, if we examine the anger, if we look at the anger, if we start to, you know, kind of bring the light of scripture to it, we may result in less overall anger. Uh, which may result in less overall cussing, and now we're we're off to the races. There, congratulations, we have arrived at fewer bad things in in their lives. <laughs> but to be clear, if we start by focusing on the cussing, we're actually going to make things worse. It may, in the short term, look like, hey, we got them to be more socially acceptable. What right. we actually did was take away a coping mechanism. That's that's what we actually did because we didn't we didn't deal with the fact that they're they're angry and maybe have things to be angry about. That anger is going to look for other ways to express itself. Here's the thing. There's a lot of worse ways for anger to express itself than through cussing, like way worse. So a good discipler is always looking for root causes. Here's the one other thing I'd offer on that before I kick it around. This is something I learned from Glenn, and I can't tell you how valuable this is. Treat everything as perfectly natural. Yes. Let me explain what I mean. Yeah. Every bad decision a person makes to them, feels like the only decision that made sense. Sure. Mm -hmm. No matter how crooked, how wrong, how immoral, how repugnant that decision may be, to them, in that moment, it seemed like about the best choice they had. 
to them it seemed perfectly natural. If you want to lead them out of the place they're in, you need to be willing to do two things. You need to be willing to understand where they're coming from, what the mindset looks like that it would seem like a decent choice, and you need to have no judgment about that choice at all. Let me explain. I don't mean that you mean that the decisions they've made are morally okay. That's, that's not it. But you don't see it as any kind of super sin. Your attitude is, if I were in your shoes, I'd probably do the exact same thing. Right. Uh, I'm no better than you. Let's look at how we got here. Let's look at the steps that, that took us to this place so we can get somewhere new. The worst stuff that you can think of, and that's kind of what we deal with on a daily basis, that person got there one step at a time. They didn't start out murdering someone. They took one step and then another step and then another step. And down the road, they had done some really rough stuff. But if we can, with no sense of judgment, no sense of condescension, understand the process that they went through to get to that place, then, A, we have the credibility to be heard, and B, we can help lead them out into something new, into a healthier, better place in their life where there's overall less bad things. Yeah, that's right. Where there's less murder. I think that's really, if you can leave a discipleship situation where someone's desire to murder people has lessened. You've done a good thing. Absolutely. And in Jed's case, sometimes that has to happen over a five-minute conversation because they're on their way out the door to do a murder. That's actually happened to the bridge multiple times. Yeah. Um, and Lee, if I can go to you on this, I'd love to, for you to pick up kind of right where Jed left there because he's talking about not freaking out about sin and not kind mm-hmm. of... some. I think some of this, when you get started out, and I'm certainly the person in this podcast who's been doing kind of... And, discipleship ministry is not a huge part of my job, but I do a little bit of it here and there. Um, and the newest that, I think when you're dead, let's talk about someone who's dead beginning starting off. And Glenn and Jed have given us a lot of important principles that work for a beginner all the way through up to someone who's advanced as they are. But for someone who's sitting down and having these first few conversations where they are the discipler, which uh, starting next week on AMC, no doubt, um, <laughs> I think some of this is, 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 to use a phrase you talked about before, playing for time, is we want to kind of start off with this Hippocratic oath of, first, don't ruin this whole thing. Right. So that is some things like, don't freak out about their sin, do more listening than yeah. talking. So what are some tips we can give to someone who is just starting out, and that could this could be a professional ministry thing, this could be someone who's... Um, sitting down with either a friend or a family member, and it may not be a super formal discipleship relationship, but they want to have this intentional thing of, I want to get help this person get closer to the Lord. What are some of the super basic do's and don'ts we want to have as a beginner? That's a really good question. And one of the reasons that it's so important is that no matter how long you do this kind of thing, no matter how, as you say, advanced you get in this deal, even a guy like Glenn has a lot of people you know, coming in under under him, working for him, who are going to be in conversations, and he has to set them up for those conversations, and they're not going to be where he is. And so a lot of times what people feel like at the beginning is, I can't have the kinds of conversations that a guy like Glenn or Jed or you know would have because I've never done this before, which means, and in their mind, what that means is, I don't know all the, the you know, the, the, uh, the super secret sauce, the, mm. the ministry, you know, the, that, that thing that's going to unlock and, you know, make a breakthrough and it's going to change their whole life and they've shifted their paradigm and, or they feel like I don't have any actual counseling experience. And so it might not be good for a person to be talking to me about these actual serious struggles that they have. Now, that that's 
that second thing is actually it, that that's actually a responsible thing to feel. You know, I don't have a counseling degree, so am I the right person to talk to this person? I'm just a beginner. And the thing that you need to understand on that is that there are a lot of things that even the most experienced counselor would do that somebody who has never done anything can do, which is at first you just sit and listen. Tell me about that. Um, okay. How did that make you feel? So, okay. When that next thing happened, what, what went off in your mind at, at that point? And you just are asking kind of leading questions. You're just asking questions. You're just gathering information. Now, the cool thing is, you know, the Lord, you have the Holy Spirit. And the whole time that person is talking to you, you're just asking the Lord to unlock stuff help you see things, help you understand this person. You're looking at their face and praying for them at the same time that they're talking to you. You're gathering the information. As Jed said, you are leaning into this conversation with empathy. I understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes a whole lot of sense. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm, I'm not a professional in this area and I don't have any experience in this. But one thing I would love to do is I'd love to pray for you right now. Um, it, could, could I pray for you? And, and, and I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll pray for you all week. And I'd love to, to connect you with somebody over here that, that may have a little more experience with that. These are things that an absolute beginner today right now could do. And they make a big impact. I mean, that's the thing is that if you have somebody who's willing to sit down with you, as Jed's saying, without, without any judgment and to, to empathize with, with where you're coming from and to simply listen and ask those questions and, and who cares enough to, to pray for you and stuff like that, then you're going to make a big impact. And another thing is, is that there's a, and, and this probably goes unsaid and it probably in a, I don't know if it's a, if it's a thing in a lot of bigger churches, just because it's not efficient. But one of the, in my experience, one of the biggest things that happens in a great discipleship relationship uh, is you just spend a lot of time with people, even when they don't have a problem. Sure. Like, even when you're not coming to me with your struggle to work out the deep issues and problems of your life, we're just hanging out. We play cards, we get a cheeseburger, we go watch a movie, you know, we go shoot some hoops together and stuff like that. We text, we hang out. We're, we're just building a relationship. And that's one of the things that as you're learning to be a discipler, you just spend time with people. Yep. And when you hang out with people, they see your life, they hear your heart. They, and one of the things is, is that actually that discipleship relationship is somebody sees something in you that they don't have, that they want to gain, that they want their life to look like. And so you spend time with them and they start picking up the way you talk and, and the, the kind of stuff that you're into, the way you respond to certain situations and stuff like that. They see you living your normal life. And now you have earned a right to have the conversation when the stuff does hit the fan, when they do need to have a, a deeper conversation. And then you're ready to do that listening. Then you're ready to do that praying. And if you need to pass them on to a professional or something like that. But a lot of discipleship is really hanging out with people. It doesn't take a lot of instruction. It doesn't take a lot of experience. It's just you're hanging out, getting, earning the right to talk to people. And then when you listen to them and pray for them, you get a lot done without even 
having a, a you know genius brilliant biblical answers or the you know the 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 amazing super spiritual secret you can get a lot done just by listening and caring about people real quick just to tack on the end of all that awesome stuff that Lee was saying there if you are in a discipleship situation and you do feel like you're in over your head if something comes up you're not used to deal with Right in. We'd love to help you out yeah. with it. You know, if yeah. it's if it's a critical thing, we can do that offline. But if it's a kind of thing where uh, you know it, it's not time critical, we can answer it right here on the show. We'd be love to do that. If it makes you feel better, I've done a lot of discipleship in my life. I regularly go to Glenn and say, "I got a thing with a person. I think it's X Y Z, but yeah. I would really like to get your take on all, that." Yeah, all ministry professionals do that. I think people ought to, at home ought to know that yeah. we all bounce that kind of stuff off each other, yeah. and, and even if you're fairly sure you had a good take on it you still sometimes it's just good to hear somebody else confirm it yeah no doubt and uh you can do both by the way um if you have a question that you feel is a little bit of a time issue you'd want something immediately but you'd love to hear what everybody's think about it um you can write into the gmail account which i uh, that comes to my phone so i can i will have often either I'll give you the five minute response or sometimes i'll bounce it around to these guys and say you know we're not recording for another week but uh, what do we what do we tell them now and then we can do a more full thing so do, yeah we, we feel free to figure that out the 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 sh- in a weird way the the podcast is a more efficient way to answer many of your questions that apply we feel apply to a bunch of people but n- never feel shy about i have this situation i need an answer by two days from now yeah. holy crap what do i do we're, we're more than happy to do that and i would Absolutely. i would throw one small thing on the end of a lot of great stuff these guys gave you about discipleship and um this is Maybe where uh, we from in the Chicago have seen people who are just starting out or not used to discipleship. You talk about, you know, I wasn't discipled, and um, so I don't really know what that looks like. Um, that's important. The, the good news about that is now you can kind of make it be whatever it needs to be. You don't have to yep. pass the sins of people who decide because nobody gets discipled perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, all the people who do this on this podcast have been discipled pretty well by some very capable people, but there's no such thing as you didn't pick up any bad habits or hiccups sure, yeah. right. along the way. So it's starting with a blank slate. There's far worse things than that. But the other thing about that is one, one thing I would definitely impress upon someone who's never done discipleship before and is looking to do that, especially in a, like a church or a youth group or mission situation is the process of this does not start when you sit down across from someone. Yep. You need to be praying up. Who should I be yep. putting this time into? Say that. One of the biggest problems we see, particularly with people who like want to plant churches. These are people who know what they're doing on a church thing, but they've never, never done this kind of, slow burns you're talking about one-on-one subship for is their assumption is that the quickest, easiest, safest route is to take the person who's 98 seems 98% squared away yep. <laughs> and just nudge them that last oh, little bit. Oh, Good luck. Warning. Which particularly in a, in a youth ministry situation almost always means the churchiest person in right. a church. So, you know, the kid who's the most well-behaved and gets straight A's and knows all the Bible, knows all the Bible. And they'll just, they're pretty much already there. And I can get an easy win yeah. by doing that. And here's the thing I'm going to tell you, a, um, that's not a lot of fun. B, that person's almost certainly a giant pain in the butt, Yeah, which is fine. Most of the people you disciple will be a giant pain in the butt, mm-hmm. but someone who thinks they know stuff is not always the best candidate. Yeah. Yeah. They PS not to break in against you, but they, they, they also want the ring. Yeah. They want no the mic. doubt. Right. No doubt. And none of that's to say that if a kid is well-behaved that you shouldn't put time into him. That's not right. what we're saying here. But you get in that habit of kind of – and what all these guys mentioned first, especially what Lee was talking about there, of you know, you're building relationships, you're not talking. And it's this is not a linear process, I guess, mm-hmm. to press upon you. You might ha- be having lunch once a week with 10 kids, and 
two of them are actually opening up and talking about stuff, and it may not be the two you expect. So you may look at that and say, well, that's only a 20% hit rate. What am I doing wrong? That's like way better than average. So yeah, the, the, all these d- relationships are going to be at different levels at different times, which is totally okay. And if you're, if you're lucky enough to be in a position of full-time ministry, and I know Glenn tells this to uh, p- folks who work for him who do a kind of one-on-one ministry side that that's fine. Do, do a lot and then press where you get your, uh, you know, the hot hand, as we mm-hmm. would say, Lee, mm-hmm. one more thing on this. Yeah. Just, uh, you, you made me think of it when you said the thing about the 20% turnaround, you should know that, uh, a lot of folks that you work with are going to fall off. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, when you talk to people that have been in AA for a long time, for instance, and they tell you their percentage and, and somebody that doesn't know anything about recovery, for instance, would think, man, that's a low percentage, but actually it's, like AA is amazing and, and they have what a lot of people on the outside would think are a low percentage. This is, this is not necessarily a high efficiency, high yield kind of a thing. Discipleship is tough and you don't know yep. who it's going to be. But uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that everybody going in should know is that some people are going are, are gonna to tube out. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And I, I would hope that if, you, if you're not someone who's in a position to be doing this, as we said, this all applies to reaching out to friends and family and anybody mm. you want to sit down with me intentional with. But also it will apply to if you are looking for a discipleship relationship. These are things you, A, want to look for in the person who's discipling you, and B, you want to kind of figure out how you can make this dynamic more healthy yep. and more, um, more consistent and all that stuff. And that's, there's a lot of good stuff in there. All right, we're going to move on to our second question here. This is going to be a preview question of our upcoming uh, July Bridge Box. It will be coming out this Saturday as you listen to this, July 1st. It will be in your inbox for your Bridge Box subscriber. Um, But we, uh, we, uh, personally, Glenn and I had to write sermons about this, and I felt that uh, we might as well get to reuse some of that material. There you go. Um, And also, we just want to give you guys, if you're not a Bridge Box subscriber, we want to give you a little idea, just kind of some of the topics we look at and how we attack them. So this one... Uh, will be for July, and the topic is, How do I respect imperfect authorities? The people in charge of my life are wrong a lot. I know I'm supposed to, quote-unquote, respect authority, but everywhere I look, I see people in charge who are either crooked or not very smart. So what do I do? And, uh, Jeb, we obviously don't have to go super, super in-depth with this, maybe a little shorter segment, so we don't sure. give people a taste. But when we, first of all, as someone who uh, uh, curates our topics for Bridgebox, why did you think this was important, and what are some basics? Well, we, uh, uh, you may have noticed that we're in a season where there's a bit of political unrest in our country. I haven't noticed that, but my TV only gets some kind of weird Chinese boxing channel. Ah, well, you, you're, <laughs> you've lucked out. Well, it's worth looking at because it's obviously it's timely, but the Bible also says two things that seem to point in very different directions, but it says both of them very firmly. On the one hand, it says, absolutely, you should respect the governing authorities. Um, they were put there by God. You need to obey the laws. Um, you may have heard people uh, uh, touting this idea that taxation is theft. The Bible does not agree with that. Um, the Bible, to the contrary, says you need to pay your taxes. You need to... Whatever they are. Whatever they are. You, it doesn't, doesn't matter if they're good taxes. You should need to pay them. Um, you know, that's your, your responsibility. But then it also says that when God calls you to do his work, you must obey him rather than man. It says both of these things that would almost feel like they're kind of contradictory. And how do you, you know, how do you, how do you manage that? And most people, and I'll point the finger at myself here, are bad at balance. Um, when, there's a, when there's a thing that requires balance in our lives, we just want to swing all the way in one direction or another. We, we either want to, well, I'm going to obey all the laws, or you're not the boss of me, but we don't, we don't ever want to land anywhere in between, even though that's actually what the Bible's calling us to do, is to navigate something of, of, of a tightrope here. So the thing that I would give you to think about, just as a starting point, is 
the the question of are these laws just, are these laws fair, are these taxes fair is actually the wrong question to ask. Here, here's the question that's important. What is God's calling on your life? Right. What is the work that God has before you? The thing that he is calling you specifically to do to further his kingdom here on earth. And then look at the extent to which laws and authorities and what have you actually stand in the way of you doing that. If you really follow the calling God has in your life, sooner or later, you're going to find yourself in opposition to the authorities. I guarantee it. Yeah. Um, and in that moment, you have a scriptural mandate, a scriptural duty to disobey. Right. Um, to do so with gentleness and respect um, and, and all deference that you can muster, uh, but to flat out disobey. Uh, we have friends that, that uh, run a homeless shelter on the north side of the city. Uh, they have some very rough problems with the people that run that part of town. And they're in a position where to do the work God has called them to do, they have to disobey the authorities. There's simply right. no way around it. And that will be true for you as well. But then everything else that doesn't interfere with you living out God's calling on your life, it's a matter of choosing as a way that you submit to the Lord to submit to those laws. Um, you know, our friends on North side of city, they run a, a homeless shelter. They've got to push back on certain things, but them obeying traffic laws doesn't have anything to do with anything. Right. They may hate the speed limit. They still need to obey it as a Christian because mm-hmm. that's actually what the Bible says. So that I, but that idea of focusing on your calling and letting that be the thing that God see Christians very, very rarely talk about that. They, they generally just want to either say, you know, uh, be a boy scout or, you know, they're not the boss of you. And we want to encourage you that actually the witness of the Bible goes right down in between and focuses on living out God's purposes for your life. Yeah, that's really fantastic stuff. And Leah, I'll go to you on this. Um, one of the things that people will probably realize if they subscribe to Bridgebox, so I've described this before, is um, you and Jed both uh, write and produce songs for Bridgebox. Mm-hmm. So that often means taking a pretty complicated topic like this and boiling that down into a three-minute pop song. Sometimes like an, an eight-movement exploration with the maybe the, the synthesizers, but we, we've you know the Jed, ring cycle. Yeah, Jed tends to frown on that. We, sure, we, we, it's it's hard to get the the full fourteen-hour epic into the bridge box it really is we try to keep these down to a fairly uh, short and accessible <laughs> song which which is to say both jed and lee do a great job with that but so lee when you sit on a big topic like this what what did you with you don't have had to go on like the lyrics of the song or anything but sure what, you had to come up with an idea for a basis of a song and what did you arrive to as kind of your headline idea on this topic well for me one of the things that 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 spoke to me about this the, this topic is the idea that when I'm being treated unfairly, what that does is it immediately challenges my sense of self. Mm. Um, it makes me feel like, okay, this must mean that I'm less important than this other person. If they don't treat me with dignity and respect, then um, I am now an unseen, marginalized person, and I'm. It makes me feel like I'm somehow less. But what the Bible tells me is I, I'm I'm not. Less, I have infinite value in the eyes of the Lord and that he cares about my situation and that no matter how small or unimportant my life may seem to some people, to him, it's a huge deal. It's such a huge deal that the Son of God allowed himself to be tortured for myself to save me. So for me, it kind of, the whole thing circled around this idea of identity. And I wanted to, I wanted to think about the idea that when when certain people in my life are treating me unfairly and it makes me feel all of those things that I need to push back against that by reminding myself who I am and, and reminding myself that no matter how anybody 
in my life is treating me, the Lord sees me in a certain way. That that He hears my broken heart. He hears. Uh, he He sees when I'm being treated unjustly. That He's that he's upset about that and he's going to he says he's going to do something about that sometime and that I may not be able to fix all the stuff that's wrong in the world and I may not be able to have any power over people that are treating me unfairly but really the shot caller over over the whole universe sees me as infinitely valuable and I've got to push back against that if I'm going to remind myself uh, of who I am and it's an important it's just an important part of keeping your head yeah. in the middle of those mm-hmm. of those situations cuz I think a lot of this is just getting you know, is figuring out how do I respond to to what's happening to me in a way that I'm not being steered by the way I feel. The way I feel is yeah. important, and 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 I need to be honest about that. But I, I need to be able to separate the real from the way I feel, and 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 uh, and so reminding myself of my identity in the Lord and how He feels about me and how He feels about this situation is an important piece of that. Yeah, that's fantastic stuff. And Glenn, let me get you to close out here. Um, and let's take this down to a little more of a micro level. Um, obviously, a big part of this, as Jed pointed out, is there's worldwide stuff going on. There's governmental and you know all that stuff. But and one of the things you you'll, people will hear you deal with in your sermon is there is also a day to day personal reality mm-hmm. where people have to deal with authorities that they don't think are right. That could be right. school. That could be work. Um, you obviously, when we we give our sermons, we give them at the bridge. So that's to an audience, and that's people who have had to deal with uh, corrections officers who. Mm-hmm. Um, as a profession, doesn't necessarily have the highest um, score on ethics, right? Probably, right. Um, people live in residential drug rehabs, which we we think the world of people run those rehab centers, mm-hmm. and but it's an incredibly hard job, and sometimes you know you're going to get someone who maybe is not as uh, uh, utterly polite as they could mm-hmm. be because yeah. they have 30 people to deal with, and you're the one with a minor problem. So, what what did you try to bring out as far as let's let's the politics is what it is, but there is someone who is going to tell you to do something that you don't agree with, but they clearly have authority. So what do we do about that? Yeah, I think it starts with, are you envious of this person being an authority or Mm. do you envy? I wish I was the person in charge. I'll tell you what I'd do if I ran this place and that kind of thing. (laughs) The thing about that is uh, that you have to recognize that first of all, that's a, that's a problem within you. That's not a problem of this other person. Mm -hmm. The second thing is to recognize if you envy or you covet being a leader, you will be the worst possible leader we can find. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. We see that time and again. Somebody who just can't wait to be the shot caller becomes a horrible, horrible, horrible leader. And when you're a bad leader and everyone kind of despises you, you're not in a happy place. So, you know, that's don't don't be that person. What, what is that phrase? Light and breezy is the head that wears the crown? That's right. Uh, the, in reality, uh, the Bible explains to us in the clearest language possible that a good leader is someone who's a servant to the people he's leading. He's lifting them up. Give you a super quick example of this. We're at Cook County Jail earlier today. Um, and uh, the the jail does it plays games with us because they don't really really want us to get in there, and so they tried a new thing, which is they're just sending one person from each of these units. So the unit is seventy five guys, and you're just sending one. That's so, a cap of uh, thirty possible people out of I think we've done the math of about sixteen hundred inmates who are actually in right. the facility. Yeah, it's just it's it's just a, a shady deal. Well, what happens is these guys are organizing their own ministries on the units and then sending one person as a representative who gets the 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 
material from us and then goes back and teaches that on those decks. So when you think you're getting to us, we're getting to you. But here's the thing is one of those guys came and he was sort of the new guy because the guy who had been doing that had left and he's explaining, I don't think I'm the guy for this. And he, he looked just almost depressed. His, his, his chin was down in his chest and he, was, he couldn't even uh, look us in the eye and stuff. And so we started in a sort of small group fashion, just like you would in your church, and say, you know, here's what we're dealing with. And uh, he started giving his take on things, and it was really smart. It was really good stuff, and he had good Bible knowledge behind it. And So you realize this is just a lack of confidence, right? So uh, it, it came to my turn to kind of, you know, sermonize this moment here. And I literally just took everything he said and built a sermon out of it, and put Bible verses to it, and the whole thing. I just, as if he had given me bullet points, and then I'm going to preach the sermon of what he just said, and fleshed it out, and showed it how depth, the depth of the wisdom of what he was saying there. And we got up to walk out, I put my arm around him, I said, brother, it's going to break my heart if you don't get out of here, and come and hook up with us, and be a part of what we're doing on the outside. I really want that to happen. I said almost nothing uh, uh, brilliant and amazing. I did no throwing my weight around. I'm not, I can't order him to do whatever. This is serving him. It's about lifting him up. He's going to do amazing things. That's what leadership within the church actually is. If you covet being in charge, you, you, you're, you're coveting the wrong thing because my point is you can serve people now you don't have to wait till, till you're in charge to, to do that. I think, per what Jed is saying, you do have to ask, is this violating a boundary? Is this something that's, that's, uh, you know, that's just clearly overboard? Or is this just opinion having? Yeah. Uh, the example uh, I've heard you use at the bridge before is if you work somewhere, a store, and the boss just kind of tosses a broom at you and says, sweep the floor in a not nice way, that's not a problem. You're just right. mad. Yeah. If they tell you, you know, swipe a hundred bucks out of the cash register and we'll split it. Now we have a yeah. moral boundary. We're that's right. The, the, those are, you know, the, those ought to be clear delineations in your mind. L- last quick thing is this is about handling your responsibilities. You got to know what is, uh, if they, t- if he tells you to mop the floor and it's your responsibility to mop the floor, then mop the floor. Mm-hmm. It sucks that he has a bad attitude, but it's still your responsibility per what Joe was saying. That's fantastic stuff, and I hope you got a, a good sense of what we, the way we try to break these problems down and look at them from a bunch of different angles. One thing I will, I will throw in there, uh, A, is it's an important part of the discussion, but B, to further illuminate that, is um, uh, one of the things that uh, we'd put together when we put together the Bible study that I thought was important to get in there is in Acts 22, Paul is being flogged, or about to be. He's on the precipice of flogging when he points out that he is a Roman citizen, and so the uh, essentially police, the the Roman army doing this, are going to get in like super big trouble because that's a huge violation of his rights as a Roman citizen. So all that to say, we we talk about these things of, as this goes back to Jed's point about balance of, there is such a thing as being uh, respectful and deferential as we are called to of governing authorities and doing everything within our kind of legal and moral rights to make sure they're not authorities anymore. So we we do we are in a kind of a time of you know protest and voting and all that stuff. And there's nothing wrong with wanting someone to not be an authority anymore. Yes. That, that does, that is not inherently unchristian. That does not violate the things in Roman 13 about doing what they tell you. Um, if you're lucky enough to live in a place that has these kind of, uh, intr- intrinsic rights in its laws, you're, that is following the law of the land. Yeah, absolutely. As, as yeah. part of that. So, and all that, that's a, an important point to make, but B also, I want to say as, as 
way to illustrate what we try to do in Bridgebox, which, as we pointed out, you know, it's, it's, it's sermons, it's songs, it's, a, it's a, a Bible study, but we're not trying to have the definitive word on these topics. We are trying to um, give people some tools when they start thinking about this to show them how we think about this, give them some reminders of basic truths, and they can build out on that. We're not... Uh, this may differentiate us from other, other people in Christianity. We are not trying to be the smartest people ever thought about this and yep. give the end. This is all you need to know about this. It's not the goal of Bridgebox. The goal of Bridgebox is to take something that's like this, that is complicated and has a lot of layers and give you some basics and a way to think about it, to make sense of that, that you can apply to your own life. Cause we, we know you're sharp enough to do that. So um, we're going to move on to our final question here. <laughs> Again, we're running slightly long this episode. I have a feeling this one is not going to take super long um, as I read it, but this came <laughs> in anonymously, and it says, so I was dating this guy, and he said we had to stop seeing each other because, quote, he didn't feel spiritually mature enough to be in a relationship right now, unquote. Hmm. Is that a thing? Is he just making an excuse? And Ali, why don't you kick us off on this one? He's making an excuse. Um, yeah, he's, uh, this is a, this is a lie. It's a popular one. Um, a lot of people have said it before. He may not even know it's a lie, but it is. Well, yeah, he, he may think he means it. Here's what's actually happening. He's too scared to break up because it's unpleasant to hurt people. Yep. Okay. That's, that's what's happening. You can't Uh, be mad at me because Jesus... Yeah, this is a this is a Jesus juke. This is Jesus's fault. Yeah, so if absolutely. you want to take it up with him, mm-hmm. but it's unpleasant to break up with someone, um, and it's unpleasant to to be the reason that someone is hurting. Uh, breakups hurt. They suck. Um, there's nothing that's fun about that for either party. And usually, what happens a lot of times, and especially in young folks' relationships, is we'll just keep on going in this relationship that's neither of us. It's not really working for anybody just to avoid the unpleasantness of hurting somebody. Um, and, and and it actually would be just a whole lot easier if somebody could say, hey, I, I really I really hate that this is going to hurt, but, um, I, you know, I, I just don't think this is going to – this this isn't going to work between us. Um, you've been cool, and I appreciate that. I think one of the problems is uh, we don't have any – examples in our culture of how to break up with someone like a person. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, Also, we don't have any examples in our culture of how to take a breakup like a mature person. Yeah. Um, How to walk away from a breakup. And and maybe that's something these other brothers can break down. How do you break up with someone? How do you you cope with a breakup um, in a mature way? You know, I think one of the things that we don't really understand is that dating is not marriage. You are allowed to break up with people. Um, and, but, you know, for someone to blame it on Jesus or their spiritual maturity, whether or not they're mature enough to have a relationship, plenty of people are not mature enough to have a relationship well, <laughs> but um, plenty of people are not spiritually mature enough to do a lot of things, but this is an excuse, and it's, and it's because breaking up is unpleasant, and, and, that, and that stinks for everybody that's heard that excuse before. It stinks for, for everybody that's given that excuse before, but, but the big part of it is, is something we've said on the show before, Christian culture has utterly failed us in knowing how to date, how to end dating, how to walk away from a breakup. Yeah, Amen. yeah that's entirely true. Um, Jed, I'd love to go to you on this. I think Lee did a great job covering... Um, one of the big, there's kind of, we can kind of divide this into one of a few things that's happening and it's 
much more likely that's what Lee just laid out for us. But there's a subcategory of this which is related, and is, but it's not exactly the same thing. Of It could be perfectly possible that this person was uh, feeling in over their head in this relationship. Sure. And then is kind of, you know, Jesus language right out of that. There's also the possibility that they are just kind of feeling generally in over their head. Sure. And because of the vilification of relationships or the weird, the weird uh, view Christian stuff has on relationships, they decided this has to be the first thing to go. Sure. So let's kind of, let's kind of look at that from if that is what less the person being broken up with because some of that is just that sucks. But let's look at some of the weirdness that leads to that decision that we could maybe deprogram the idea of someone who's in a dating relationship that's has whatever struggles a dating relationship may have, but they feel that well I'm because we, we've heard a lot we had to break up so they could focus on Jesus and all right. that. And that's a weird thought process and we can mock it. And we do when we're off air because Holy yeah. crap, is that dumb? But let's look at this idea of, I have to have everything together before I can get in a relationship. And if I drop this, that's the first thing it has to go. How do we get there? And what do we kind of say against that? Well, here's, here's the thing that I think we need to look at. That's a great question. And I think the, the big picture answer to it is you can have negative emotions. Um, and there aren't, like spiritual uh, imports to that. I want to explain what I mean. You'll never get a book deal with that kind of thinking, Jed. I know, I know. If you get like three hours of sleep tonight, you'll feel awful tomorrow. Yeah. You're going to feel cranky. You're going to feel negative. Because of the devil? Not because of the devil, because uh, you didn't get enough sleep. It takes seven hours of sleep to purge the devil out. I, it definitely because you're, you're crushed what about by sin? The, the weight of your sin? It's yeah. all of your many, many secret sins that you haven't confessed, but you bring up in your unspoken prayers. Um, yeah, if you got three hours of sleep, you're going to feel crappy. There's actually not a spiritual element to that. We could say... Are there weird things that you believe about yourself that are driving you to have an unsustainable schedule where you're getting three hours of sleep and maybe there's a spiritual element to some of that? Sure. But the negative feelings because I got three hours of sleep is just human biology. Right. Um, you know, similarly, if you're dating someone and you feel an urge to take things you know, too far physically um, – that could be the devil tempting you. It could be that you have enough hormones in your bloodstream to take down an elephant. Right. Uh, so, again, human biology. But one of the things that Christians are really uncomfortable with is the idea of I have negative emotions. I have emotions I don't like. I have feelings mm-hmm. that, that feel uncomfortable to me to have. Therefore, there must be a spiritual implication here. Right. And, and that, a spiritual solution. And a spiritual solution. And both of those therefores are actually wrong. Mm-hmm. Um Glenn and I were just talking last night about the old adage from AA of halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. When you are in one of those states, you need to really double check your decisions. You need to take a break and do something about the fact that you're hungry or angry or lonely or tired. You can cause yourself huge problems out of making poor decisions, but there's nothing intrinsically spiritually good or bad about being hungry or angry or lonely or tired. It just happens. The thing that we want to do, and it actually relates back to our previous question, is we want to ask, where is God leading me? If God is leading me into a place where it's time to start dating, it's time to put myself out there and and learn how to do that, you're going to feel overwhelmed. If you've never done this before, you're going to feel overwhelmed. Therefore, the spiritual thing in that is to ask God for courage, is to ask God for peace, is to ask God for wisdom. How do I navigate this? It is overwhelming to date if you've never dated before. This is, it's, it's a new experience. It's overwhelming to go water skiing if you've never gone water skiing before. (laughs) It's, it's a new experience. That's, that's okay. That doesn't mean it's bad. That doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. You're bad at it because you're new. That's okay. Okay. The thing we want to stop doing is assuming that every negative emotion means a spiritual problem and that we're having spiritual problems because you're a naughty little monkey. Those things are not true and not biblical. You need to relax and stop beating up on yourself. Absolutely right. And I'm going to love to get you to caps off here. There's, 
I think I wonder if part of what's going on here is one of the many misconceptions that Christians have about dating is that um, it is a romantic relationship is the capstone to a a perfect Instagram life well built. Right. Yeah. Um, so if you feel like your life is anything less than perfect, then well, you're just dating just to date. Right. You're, you're not if you're not dating to get married, you're dating to break up. Right. Which is uh, wow. stupid. I think is what I'm looking for there. That's yeah. that. Um, yeah. Somebody made a lot of money with one book on, and we've all been suffering for that ever since. We've discussed right. many times the podcast. But how do we look at this idea that um, someone actually can grow in a relationship and be growing spiritually at the same time? And maybe those could even help each other. Well, yeah, there's nothing that's mutually exclusive about that. That you you can, in fact, if you design a relationship properly from the ground up, it's uh, you're nurturing one another spiritually and emotionally. That's what these relationships are for. So the idea that 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 the spiritual side would somehow be in competition with the rest of that relationship uh, just doesn't it just doesn't logically hold, and it is that thinking of almost a superstitious thinking of we just wanted this and it must be bad. So you know that's you know, and the the Lord's against it, so now we have to break up. Blah blah blah. None of that makes any real sense. Uh, I think part of what I'm hearing here is. Uh, uh, an, an urge to do a post-mortem on the relationship that has died. Sure, CSI dating. Yeah. <laughs> Here's <laughs> the thing about that is it's over. Yeah. It sucks. I hate it. You hate it. It sucks that it's over, but it's over. Would we love to learn from this? Yeah, and that'd be great, and I, I want you to learn from this experience. That's probably not going to happen right after the raw pain of the terrible breakup. It might be a year or two down the line as you look back and reflect and you've you've got some perspective on it. But uh, I think sometimes we we get into this place where we don't have acceptance of this thing, so we want to analyze it. That is just a recipe for pain. You don't need to relive this. You don't need to wallow in it. You don't need to replay it. You don't need him to tell you more things that are wrong with you or something yeah. uh, that are driving this. Uh, it's over. Yeah. And that's we need to accept that fact. We need to mourn that fact. We need to grieve that fact. We need to heal on, on that reality and that truth. We need to figure out what our next steps are moving forward. Yep. At some point in that process, yes, it will be about looking back once we're out of the threshold of the raw pain of this thing and look back and say, I wonder what was really going on there. You'll be able to see that and know that much better when you're a lot further down the road. So it's about getting going with that acceptance. Uh, one, of, one of the gals who came up in our ministry we loved uh, a lot, unfortunately, passed away. She she always said, "You you have to grab some acceptance," mm-hmm. and I think that's uh, this is that kind of situation where uh, getting a hold of that acceptance and being able to move on that's the key for you getting healing and getting growth rather than trying. I got to find the answer to this because if I find the answer to it, maybe we aren't really broken up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly right. That's a lot of fantastic stuff. On that, if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're going to take out this week with we've, we've talked about Bridgebox a little bit. So this is a song we're going to play on this podcast Ooh. that was created for our radio show that we featured in last month's Bridgebox. That Ooh. is cross-promotion bingo. Indeed. Wow. This wow. is uh, from our great friend and one of the members of the Res Band, Glenn Kaiser. This is his version of a little song you may have heard of called Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. 
which uh, we like a lot. It's a really cool version. So we hope you'll enjoy that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, where our billboard motto is, it's like biscuits and gravy for your ears and your soul. That's good.